1: Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They take care of our air conditioning and do a great job. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guests... Keith Law, co founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, will also visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is August the 18th, and on this day in 1920, a dramatic battle in the Tennessee House of Representatives ended with the state ratifying the 19th Amendment to the United States Constitution. After decades of struggle and protest by suffragettes across the country, the decisive vote was cast by a 24-year-old representative who reputedly changed his vote after receiving a note from his mother. This is such a cute story. Uh, America's suffrage movement was founded in the mid-19th century by women who had become politically active through their work in the abolitionist and temperance movements. In July 1848, 200 women suffragists, organized by Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Lucretia Mott, met in Seneca Falls, New York, to discuss women's rights after approving measures asserting the right of women to educational and employment opportunities. They passed a resolution that declared that it is the duty of women of this country to secure to themselves their sacred right to the elective franchise. For proclaiming a woman's right to vote, the Seneca Falls Convention was subjected to public ridicule, and some backers of women's rights withdrew their support. However, the resolution marked the beginning of the women's suffrage movement in America When Carrie uh, Chapman Catt took over from Susan B. Anthony as president of the National American Women's Suffrage Association in 1900, she prioritized the push for a constitutional amendment to give women the right to vote. At the outset of World War I, the organization... uh, urged women to prove their worth to the war effort while the National Women's Party, led by uh, Lucy Burns and Alice Paul, engaged in civil disobedience, directly targeting President Woodrow Wilson's uh, with protest outside the White House. Finally, facing uh, growing pressure on multiple fronts, Wilson called for a special section of Congress in May of 1919 and personally appealed for women's suffrage. Having voted down the amendment six times, Congress finally approved it, sending it to the states for ratification. By March 1920, just one more state was needed to ratify the 19th Amendment in order to become law. The Tennessee General Assembly took up the question in August, and suffragettes and anti-suffragists bore down on Nashville... The state uh, sen- Senate voted convincingly to ratify, but the House failed to do so twice by two votes of 48 to 48. Representative Harry T. Byrne, a 24-year-old from McMinn County, was one of the nay votes. Reportedly, he had intended to vote for ratification, but had been persuaded not to by telegrams from his constituents and members of his party. Just after the, thir- uh, the third vote was set to begin, Burns received a letter from his mother, And that read in part, hurrah, and vote for suffrage, and don't uh, uh, keep them in doubt. I've been watching to see how you stood, but uh, you have not seen anything yet. Don't forget to be a good boy, she wrote. On the third vote, Byrne changed his mind. Thanks to a single vote, the House approved the amendment, Tennessee ratified it, and the Constitution was changed and guaranteed women the right to vote. What an appropriate end for suffragettes, uh, <laughs> the, the voice of a mother and the guidance of a mother to a young boy, 24 years of old, leading to this approval of the, uh, of the amendment to the Constitution. On August the 26th, the amendment was formally adopted by the Constitution by Proclamation of Secretary State of State Bainbridge Colby. Uh, Despite the ratification of the amendment and the decades-long contributions of black women to achieve suffrage, poll taxes and local laws and other restrictions continued to block women and men of color from voting. It would take another 40 years for all women to achieve uh, voting equality. Great story. Great story. Now, of course, uh, the 19th Amendment is in effect. Well, Alaskan Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski advanced her primary along with Kelly Tashik, Shibaka, I should say, her uh, GOP rival endorsed by President Donald Trump, while another Trump-backed candidate, Republican Sarah Palin, was among the candidates bound for the November general election in the race for Alaska's only House seat. Murkowski has expressed confident that she would advance, and earlier in the day told reporters that what matters is winning in November. Shibaka called the results the first step in breaking the Murkowski monarchy grip on uh, Alaska. Shibaka also said that she was thankful for the strong and unwavering support of President Donald Trump, as shown Alaska. Murkowski has held uh, the Senate seat since 1981, before Lisa Murkowski had been in the Senate since 2002. It was their father, Frank Murkowski. In the House primary, Democrat Mary uh, Peltola, Palin, and uh, Republican Nick uh, Basich uh, advanced to the November election. It was too early to call the fourth spot. The winner of the November race will be elected in the two for a two-year term. Uh, Peltola, Begich, and uh, Palin were also competing in the special election to serve for the remainder of uh, the late Representative Don Young's term, which ends in uh, early next year. Young died in March, and uh, the special election for voters shot at, at ranked voting in statewide va- uh, in the statewide race. The winner of the special election may not know be known until August the 31st. If successful, Peltolo would be the first Alaskan Native American woman elected to the House. Palin, in a statement Tuesday evening, called this the first test case of a crazy, convoluted, undesirable ranked choice voting system. <laughs> She's right about that. In the race for Alaska, uh, Governor, uh, uh, Republican Governor Mike Dunleavy advanced, as did uh, Governor Bill Walker in an independent and uh, Democrat Les Guerra. It was too early to call the fourth spot. So Dunleavy and his running mate, Nancy Dashstrom In a statement said that this is the only start of the race. We'll dig in all the numbers as they come over the next few days to find out what we need to do to shore up our campaign, and we're looking forward to reaching every Alaskan and earning their vote between now and November. That's an update in Alaska for in the politics there. Again, this forced, this whole uh, thing of it's not Democrats or Republicans, it's the people who get the most votes. So it could be all one party uh, that, that ends up on the ballot. It won't be in this case, however. immediately following her loss to Harriet Hegman in Wyoming's Republican primary, Representative Liz Cheney unveiled her next move, launching a new organization with the primary goal of keeping former President Donald Trump from regaining the presidency. The group called The Great Task gets its name from a phrase in the uh, Gettysburg Address, and (laughs) Cheney invoked President Abraham Lincoln in calling for the Republican Party to go back to its roots. Uh, I wonder what that means. That probably means uh, to make sure we become neocons and stay at war. Uh, We've uh, got to get the party back to the principles and values on which it was founded, she said in in an interview on the Today Show, uh, claiming that it's lost its way and focusing too much on Trump uh, and his cult of personality. Moving forward, Cheney said she will resume her work in the House until her term ends, and then she's— and her organization will continue to go after Trump. She even can said she's considering running for president to, uh, against Trump. Good luck with that. Well, she really needs to get on some medication or something. She is. She is. Talk about Trump derangement syndrome. She's got it really bad. Well, a new study uh, revealed that Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Solid Democrat 14th District in New York saw a 57% spike in major crimes such as murder, rape, robberies, and assaults. Former New York City Police Department Inspector Paul Morrow unveiled the findings uh, in an opinion uh, editorial on Monday where he emphasized the policies forwarded by Ocasio-Cortez hurt her constituents the most, while the representative engages in street theater in Washington, Pan mining. Uh, being handcuffed to, for the cameras, her constituents are dealing with gem, genuine criminals, he wrote. Moreau tried the uh, soaring numbers to New York City's $1.5 billion spending cut to the police department in 2020. A successful campaign after the uh, summer of George Floyd riots, spearheaded by far-left activist Ocasio-Cortez. However, Ocasio-Cortez also criticized the final proposal as not going far enough at the time. According to Newsweek report that year, Ocasio-Cortez stated that the department slash was nothing more than a disingenuous illusion. Defunding police means defunding police. It doesn't mean budget tricks or funny math. It doesn't mean uh, moving school police officers from the NP, uh, NYPD budget to the uh, Department of Education's budget. Citywide as well, New York has been struggling considerably since its rise in crime and budget cuts. Uh, On Sunday, the New York Police Department released data from the uh, month of July showing that a 30.5% crime increase across the five boroughs. So I I don't know if this is going to influence her. She, I think, probably charms her her constituents. But uh, if they really paid attention to what she's doing, she's hurting them. She should not be in office. And uh, I'm not sure the people in New York actually pay enough attention to what's happening because they elected this guy, Adams, as the mayor. He's weak, and uh, so is Ocasio-Cortez. She's uh, really on the fringe of the left. Very sad. Well, the head of the CDC, the nation's top public health agency on Wednesday, announced a shakeup or- in the organization and make it more nimble. The plan changes uh at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC leader called it a re, uh, reset, uh, come amid ongoing criticism of the agency's response to COVID 19, monkeypox, and other health threats. The changes include internal staffing moves and steps to speed up data releases. The uh, COVID director, Al Walensky, told the agency staff about the changes on Wednesday. It's a CDC initiative and not directed by the White House or any other administrative officials, she said. It feels like my responsibility to lead the agency to a better place after really challenging three years, she said. The CDC, with a $12 billion budget and more than 11,000 employees, a land based federal agency charged with protecting Americans from disease outbreaks and other public health threats, it's customary for each CDC director to do something, some reorganizing, but Walensky's action comes amid a wider demand for change. Uh, the agency has long been criticized as a ponderous, uh, f- focusing on collection and analysis of data, but not e- acting quickly enough to new health threats. But public ha- unhappiness with the agency grew dramatically during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Experts say the CDC was slow to recognize how much virus was entering the United States from Europe to recommend people who wear masks to say that virus can spread through the air and to ramp up systematic testing for new variants. We saw during the COVID uh, that CDC's structure, frankly, it wasn't designed to take its, uh, in information to adjust it and disseminate it to the public in the speed with the speed necessary, said Jason Swartz, a health uh, policy researcher at Yale School of Public Health. So uh, this, is, this is kind of scary stuff because, quite frankly, the information, it's garbage in, garbage out. I mean, no matter what she does to realign the organization and make it more nimble, they're still coming out with bad recommendations. And it's been too much politicized. The big big pharma has so much control right now. Instead of uh, helping people st- helping uh, people stay healthy, what they're doing is uh, simply recommending uh, whatever big pharma has on the shelf at the time. Like for example, these vaccines. It's all been uh, so politicized that, uh, quite frankly, I think the best thing they can do is take uh, half of those eleven thousand employees lay them off or send them someplace else, maybe down to the border to help control the border situation. Irrespective, uh, if I wanted to get good information on what to do for a public health situation, I would go to Joseph Lepado, our Surgeon General here in Florida. I think he would end up giving us uh, the best information. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 4541
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton show and now here's your host Bob Harton
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance.
2: Well, we're a coalition of uh, uh, local grassroots groups across the state of Florida that focus on K-12 through education. We are a uh, 501c3 not-for-profit. Um, um, we, we focus on trying to expand uh, school choice options for parents and, of course, get rid of the, get, getting rid of the indoctrination that's in our schools.
1: And believe it or not, it's really happening right here in Florida. And uh, Keith and uh, Pastor Rick and the others at the Florida Citizens Alliance have done a great job in terms of ferreting out some of these problems and improving public education here in Florida. So uh, big day coming up on the 23rd. Uh, that is the election day for school boards, uh, among others. Uh, how are the numbers looking?
2: Uh, well, actually, the turnout has been uh, much less um, than projected. Uh, I call it abysmal, which is really kind of shocking as much focus as there's been across the nation on on what's going on in our schools and what it's doing to to destroy the lives of many so many students. Um, that the original projection uh, from the supervisor of elections here in Collier County was that they'd have at least 35 percent of the people vote, which is really pretty terrible when you think about it just to begin with. Right. Uh, but that number has been dropping like a stone um, just two days ago talking to this, um, their office, uh, they're now down to 27% uh, turnout, which when you think about it, that's only uh, out of the 250,000 registered voters, that's less than 70,000 people are going to vote in this primary election. And uh, 90% of school board incumbents get elected in the primary. They never go to the general. Yeah. And w- And with that level of, some people call it apathy. Um, I think that plays a role in it, but I think most people just don't understand. Um, you know, the governor isn't going to be on the primary ballot. He's not there till the general. And so most people just think they can wait till the general and, yeah. and vote then. And by then it's likely to be too late. Our incumbents will get reelected.
1: I'll, I'll offer this, uh point of hope is that uh, in in most of the primary elections we've seen so far, people are showing up on election day to cast their ballot. I wonder if that phenomenon is occurring here.
2: Well, it's uh, probably (laughs) premature to determine that, but if you look at the historical patterns. they're certainly not projecting that in the 27%. Um, but the other thing the other point to make that most people don't realize and I mentioned the governor wouldn't be on the ballot in in the uh, primary, uh, but the two candidates running against trying to decide who's going to run against him will be on the ballot. So there's going to be a natural propensity uh, for Democrats to turn out uh-huh. uh, to determine who's going to run against the governor in the general. And those Democrats are much more likely, if not totally likely, to to vote for the incumbents in the school board. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the the bias or or, or the indication is that there will be an advantage uh, for the incumbents because of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, with, uh, I mean, the the turnout right now is... uh, is is even worse than that. L- right now, less than ten percent of uh, our, our sixty-five thousand no-party affiliates have have voted. So, um, and and the ter- turnout on the Republican side is 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 so far as only nineteen uh, percent. So, wow. um, you know, it's just it, it to me. It's I guess the, the the best word I can think of is frustrating uh, that so many people um, just don't take the time to understand how important uh, voting for school board members is and the fact that if they don't vote in the primary it's
1: too late yeah no and, and it's also the uh, f- for those that are concerned about money and in, in these times of inflation happens to be the biggest budget item that we have in collier county it's the school school systems what is it one now 1.2 billion dollars
2: no, it's uh, this year's budget was 1.3 in round numbers, and and wow. they just voted for a 10.8 percent tax increase. So next year's budget will be 1.44 billion dollars, almost 30 thousand dollars per kid, uh, of the 48 thousand kids. My goodness, and 40 percent of them can't read and do math at grade level. It's abysmal, and uh, and most people, uh, you know, a lot of people down here. Um, don't have kids in the school system they are retired or whatever and so they just don't think it's that important um, well 49% of their tax dollars go to the public schools that are failing
1: yeah. so yeah Great point, and, and, and of course, you can't solve a problem unless you can identify the problem, and uh, unfortunately, we have this grading system for schools, this A minus, B plus, that kind of thing, and 50% of the kids can't read or can't can't do math, it's just unbelievable, so we yeah. do need some changes in our school system.
2: Well, um I just encourage anybody listening to your show and, and anybody that's already voted t- to get their neighbors and friends to get out and vote. Mm. Uh, we do have voter guides on our website of uh, flicaction dot org, uh, so uh, there's no excuse for people not doing a little bit of homework uh, to figure out who to vote for, and uh, and get out and vote and get your neighbors to do the same thing.
1: Uh, great admonition. I'll, I'll second that, Keith. I think it's uh, just so important. I mean, there's other important things on the ballot too, but school board—that's really, really critical. I personally am endorsing uh, candidates. I'm saying that uh, anybody but the incumbents—that's <laughs> what I what I would suggest to anybody who wants to uh, to vote. But go to go. What is it on the website again, Keith? Uh-
2: flcaction.org
1: F- FLC... flcaction.org flcaction.org so check it out and make sure make an informed decision and definitely uh do vote uh keith uh i, I did see in the in the paper that uh 115 books uh, have been singled out for some purpose in Kaya county can you comment on that yes yeah,
2: so, uh, some of uh, most of that's because of our effort both locally and across the state uh we've done a public records request and uh We've determined that there's, um, you know, a huge percentage of the books that we've asked them to look at that violate Florida statutes on on, on criminal statutes on books available, making these books with pornography and age-inappropriate material available to students. Uh, unfortunately, what the local school district has decided to do is put a a, a, a sticker on the books uh, that says some people in the community believe these uh, materials contain. Uh, inappropriate material. Well, kids are curious. Yeah, to me, course. that's just putting <laughs> that's just, a magnet <laughs> on the book. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and and so uh, it it actually will have the reverse um, intention. And I think, by the way, the local school districts and the and the incumbents understand that they they're doing this by design, uh, and they're allowing uh, this pornography and age inappropriate material to be in the schools. And now they're putting a magnet on it mm-hmm. to, uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's frustrating, Bob, as you can tell from the tone of my voice.
1: Absolutely. Keith, before I let you go, um, can you, uh, you've got a big event coming up.
2: Yeah, it'll, it'll be, uh, we'll be putting it on our website tomorrow. It's for October 12th, uh, with general Flynn. Um, wow. so tickets will be available starting tomorrow. And, uh, and uh, I think most of your listeners probably know who General Flynn is. And this event will be at uh, actually be at the Mercedes-Benz uh, of, uh, of Bonita Springs. It's located in North Naples. But they, uh, the event will be there on October 12th. And people can get their tickets starting tomorrow.
1: Again, that's goflca.com? That's uh, goflca.com or
2: .org. We own both domains. And they both end up in the same place. So.
1: All right. Uh, just to make
2: it easy for people so they don't
1: have to remember. Well, Keith, I just want to uh, end our interview with uh, uh, acknowledgement that uh, you and Pastor Rick and other members of the Florida Citizens Alliance have done a tremendous job in having a positive influence on public education in Florida. We've got a ways to go. We certainly have some improvements we've got to make, but uh, really appreciate your efforts, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. You, you and your listeners have a great weekend. and you, Get out and vote. <laughs> get out and vote. Thank you, Keith. He's absolutely right. Uh, it, it, it is a shame that we have such an abysmal turnout for, with so many important decisions to be made uh, 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 here in Collier County. Well, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Bill Barnett later in the show. He's the former mayor of Naples. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006 and I now have full range of motion in both knees and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be absolutely fabulous. Great venue for entertainment and culture. And also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Well, you know, uh, multiple states will be soon sending out stimulus checks and other financial relief—a decision that some believe will make the 40-year high inflation even worse. In California, individuals will get up to uh, $1,050 between October 22 and January 2023 as inflation relief checks based on their tax filing status and income. In Georgia, taxpayers can get anywhere from 250 to 500 bucks. The payments are due to be issued in early August. In Florida, around 59,000 families will receive a one-time payment of $450. Maine will hand out $850 per single tax filer and $1,700 per couple. In Massachusetts, the local government plans to refund 7% of the 2021 taxes paid by citizens, Virginia residents will claim can claim anywhere between 250 and 500 bucks as tax rebates. Oregon has approved $600 of uh, one-time assistance checks to low-income residents. And it goes on and on here. You just it's hard to make this stuff up. It's unbelievable that uh, right now we're sending out stimulus checks uh, and <laughs> uh, that are simply going to uh, exacerbate the problem that we're having with inflation right now. A uh, one-time payment for inflation relief is far different than tax rebates that many states are providing to other to all taxpayers based on income. They're feel good and all that nonsense. It's just in January 22, CPI was running at 7.5%. If it, it then peaked at 9.1% in June and was back to 8.5% in July, inflation has not dropped below 7% any single month so far this year. That is the problem. All right, now I want to play, uh, this is a clip. This is a, uh, Ronald Reagan's last speech at the Oval Office to the American people. It is prescient in terms of uh, uh, his message to us, and I, I think it's so important. I hope you'll listen and, and think about this and how it applies to today's situation.
3: My fellow Americans, this is the 34th time I'll speak to you from the Oval Office and the last. We've been together eight years now, and soon it'll be time for me to go. But before I do, I wanted to share some thoughts, some of which I've been saving for a long time. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car, and we decide where it should go, and by what route, and how fast. Almost all the world's constitutions are documents in which governments tell the people what their privileges are. Our Constitution is a document in which we, the people, tell the government what it is allowed to do. We, the people, are free. This belief has been the underlying basis for everything I've tried to do these past eight years. But back in the 1960s, when I began, it seemed to me that we'd begun reversing the order of things. That through more and more rules and regulations and confiscatory taxes, the government was taking more of our money, more of our options, and more of our freedom. I went into politics in part to put up my hand and say, stop. I was a citizen politician, and it seemed the right thing for a citizen to do. I think we have stopped a lot of what needed stopping, and I hope we have once again reminded people that man is not free unless government is limited. There's a clear cause and effect here that is as neat and predictable as a law of physics. As government expands, liberty contracts. There is a great tradition of warnings in presidential farewells. And I've got one that's been on my mind for some time. But oddly enough, it starts with one of the things I'm proudest of in the past eight years, the resurgence of national pride that I called the new patriotism. This national feeling is good but it won't count for much and it won't last unless it's grounded in thoughtfulness and knowledge. An informed patriotism is what we want. And are we doing a good enough job teaching our children what America is and what she represents in the long history of the world? And as for those who create the popular culture, well-grounded patriotism is no longer the style. Our spirit is back, but we haven't re-institutionalized it. We've got to do a better job of getting across that America is freedom. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise. And freedom is special and rare. It's fragile. It needs production. So we've got to teach history based not on what's in fashion, but what's important. Why the pilgrims came here, who Jimmy Doolittle was, and what those 30 seconds over Tokyo meant. You know, four years ago, on the 40th anniversary of D-Day, I read a letter from a young woman writing to her late father who had fought on Omaha Beach. Her name was Lisa Zanatta Henn, and she said, we will always remember, we will never forget what the boys of Normandy did. Well, let's help her keep her word. If we forget what we did, we won't know who we are. I'm warning of an eradication of that of the American memory that could result ultimately in an erosion of the American spirit. Let's start with some basics. More attention to American history and a greater emphasis on civic ritual. And Let me offer lesson number one about America. All great change in America begins at the dinner table. So tomorrow night in the kitchen I hope the talking begins. And children, If your parents haven't been teaching you what it means to be an American, let them know and nail them on it. That would be a very American thing to do. And so, goodbye, God bless you, and God bless the United States of America.
1: Ronald Reagan in his last address as president of the United States after 8 years uh, what a great american and how about that message does it resonate with you as it does with me it certainly certainly resonates with me and i think about uh, our president trump uh, working to make america great again carving out uh, uh, in in this threat of globalism carving out uh, what makes america special and uh, you know right now we have so many threats right now that I'm sure Ronald Reagan couldn't even imagine. And yet uh, I think we have the resist uh, the resilience in order to uh, to uh, turn America around, get back on beat, get the t- pendulum swinging back the other way so that uh, we have the patriotism that Ronald Reagan talks about, but also uh, making America great again. All right, coming up, Seaton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden show on the Bob Hardin. Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
1: Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I am designed to heal Naples only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a one of a kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com. Or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement?
0: Bob Harden.
1: thanks so much for joining us here on the show we're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty personal responsibility limited government and the rule of law coming up we're going to visit with former mayor of naples bill barnett right now we have with us seaton motley seaton is the founder and president of less government seaton thank you so much for joining us good morning sir good morning seaton tell us about less government
4: Yes, you can distribute the size, scope, and surveillance or so over it and do all that stuff you just said.
1: <laughs> a, a noble enterprise, a noble uh, mission. So, uh, Seton, you wrote a great column. It's called Big Banks Charge Ridiculous Loan Rates. Big government isn't looking uh, to murder them. <laughs> Maybe you can tell us about it.
4: Yeah. Um, the, the, the people who are getting murdered, of course, Let's go back ten or so years to, to the Dodd Frank law, yep. which is a which is a, an abomination. Let's look at inherent facts. Bigger government favors bigger business because bigger business is better equipped and better capitalized to pay for bigger government. Right. It's the little guy that gets hurt by bigger government. Right. Just inherently. I mean, you know. Just everything else being equal, the little guy, the mom-and-pop shop, can't afford to deal with bigger government the way Wells Fargo can. Uh, you know, your neighborhood bank can't deal with it the way Chase or Citibank can. Right. Uh, just, just by the sheer size and dollar amounts from staff. So, Dodd-Frank passes, allegedly to address too big to fail. Because after the 2008 housing crisis, we realized there been too much consolidation in the banking market. They were huge, and we had to bail them out just allegedly save the economy. Right. Because they were so big that if they went away, the economy would collapse. Well, Dodd-Frank did what Dodd-Frank does. Now, this, this is either just the inherent nature of bigger government and or... Its intention was to do this, but less than two years after Dodd Frank was signed into law, the bigger banks were thirty percent bigger. Yeah, and the thousands of little community banks and local banks had been killed by Dodd Frank. They just went under; they couldn't handle it.
1: Well, and let me let so, me let me make this right. comment, if I may. Uh, what happens is that they have these onerous. Uh, regulations that are created by this uh, Dodd-Frank, big banks, they they don't like it, but they they understand that uh, they've got the budget in order to do all the paperwork and do all the requirements, do the things that are necessary. To your point, though, the way I see it is they just, small banks just didn't have the money and and the resources in order to uh, create this new layer of bureaucracy and uh, to satisfy the, so they ended up getting bought up. The reason why big banks grew by 30% is they bought up the little banks.
4: I think it was Mark Stein a long time ago called it the Department of Compliance. You had to have a department of compliance. Yeah. Just to deal with government. And of course, Wells Fargo can afford a department of compliance and your local neighborhood bank cannot. Right. And so they go under, they get they get they drown in red tape. So that that being said, the only people that love you know Little guys' banks are the guys that lend money to little guys. Big banks don't do it. Not, not on a, you know, and of course, thousands of community small banks that were lending to little guys went away. Yep. So into that vacuum came what's known as payday lenders. You and I are talking about the payday lenders. Right. Payday lenders lend you money on a Tuesday till payday on Friday. If your car breaks down, you need to keep getting to work, so you have to you don't have the cash to fix your thing now. The 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 big bank equivalent of a payday loan is a credit card, right? Yep. I mean, that's basically what you're doing is you're you're doing short-term money lending, and if you don't pay it back in very very short term, i.e., the next statement, which is less than a month away, they start charging you interest, right? It's a, it's a, it's a payday loan with a little grace period. That's what it is. Right. And of course, poor guys, little guys have lower incomes and sometimes often bad credit and they either can't get credit cards or when they do, the interest rates are particularly onerous. Right. Oh, hey, just like a payday lender. <laughs> And I, I say in the piece, I get a little personal. I say, I've got an 820 credit score. I have a, I have a non-poverty level income. I, I learned years ago, 10 years ago, from my first mortgage guy on my first house, he said, get three credit cards, charge something on each of them every month, pay them off. Your credit rating will skyrocket. Right. I did that. I went from 720 to 820. Wow. Thanks, to, thanks to his recommendation. Now, one of my cards gives me 2% cash back. I run everything through that card, just about. Because right. I want the 2% cash back. So, and including at one point my mortgage. I could pay my mortgage on the credit card. So you're talking about thousands of dollars every month that I was charging and paying off. After a decade of all of this credit-inflating activity, and proving I can pay the money back, the interest rates on my three cards go 21%, 22%, and 25%. Wow.
1: That's
4: pretty onerous.
1: It is onerous.
4: That's, that's pretty uh, you know, That's pretty. You know, penury for a guy who's got a good credit rating and a pretty good income and a very good track record of paying these idiots back. Now, you can imagine what the credit card interest rate, if they can get one, is. For a little guy, a right. really little guy, yeah. a, a guy with bad credit and, and, and a low income, his credit ratings, what's the percentage going to be on the interest rate? 40, something like that. Right. Well, that's, that's higher than payday lenders. And the reason I can draw this comparison is there's a bill in Congress that wants to cap the interest on payday loans.
1: Which basically means it's going to put them out of business.
4: It's going to put them out of business, just like it always does when you cap anything. It, it murders the item, item cap because the reason the, the interest rate gets that high is because it's the only way the people charging it can make any money. And also,
1: it also makes the point that government, all the unintended consequences that occur when government gets involved and in, uh, trying to solve problems that don't even exist. Quite frankly, it's just unbelievable, Seaton.
4: Well, right, and, and and that's that's inherent. Stupidity of government, which is uncorrectable. I I think it was H.L. Mencken that said, "Stop trying to reform government. You can't. It's impossible. It's true. It's it's inherently, it's inherently uh, unfixable and corrupt. So you know, I I think it's and limited. It's its ring. Yeah, I think it's important. uh, Make the point that
1: uh, that uh, credit card." uh, uh, the amount of money owed on credit cards has gone up dramatically in the last few months because of inflation it's just incredible The kind of the hole that we're digging you know the old saying is if you find yourself in a hole quit digging
4: <laughs> where well, so, well I, look i was at one point in my life as a musician where i had moved and i was and i got a job and they weren't paying me uh. so i was putting groceries on the credit card because because I, I had no money and I had to eat yeah and, and so you know I, I understand these things happen but again back to the cronyism aspect of this they're going after these little payday lenders which are you know you you drive into the poor sections of town you can see them in a storefront right. next to a liquor store and a pawn shop I mean you know right. this is not Wall Street bankers you yeah. know. Um, and they're getting their cap with their rates caps by DC and Wells Fargo and Citibank and Chase. Who are charging basically the same rates for credit cards are not right.
1: Unbelievable. Satan Motley again, the founder and president of Less Government. I'm going to encourage you to visit. Uh, Seton's website, lessgovernment.org Lessgovernment.org is the website Also, uh, Less Government you can find on Facebook as well. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
4: Thank you very much sir.
1: My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, look at the menu, new menu from Lulabee's Diner, one of my favorite places for breakfast or lunch. Uh, right there in the Green Tree Shopping Center. It's a Blue Zones-inspired menu with lots of great stuff on it, and there's some specials also that they've come out with. So I just encourage you, if you've not been to Lula Bee's diner give it a try right there in the Green Tree Shop- Shopping Center. Always always a fun and uh, place to, uh, to have lunch or uh, breakfast. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us.
5: Bob, it is always my pleasure. Uh, no matter where we are, I speak to you on a Thursday morning,
1: always look forward to it, Bill. And uh, understand there was quite an interesting uh, city council meeting yesterday.
5: Well, I, I will tell you, um, and, and, and as I said, without being dramatic, because I'm not one for the for the drama, uh, it was one of the um, one of the most. Um, uh unpleasant i would say experiences uh that in in all my years of um of council and there's a lot of them being mayor that went on there yesterday they had just come back uh from their vacation and they had had a couple of early meetings that week they had a budget meeting on monday and um and then yesterday had their council meeting and they had first of all they had more agenda items than they could have handled in a week yesterday, jammed into yesterday's meeting. And, um, so they were, they were going along and then, um, all of a sudden, well, actually they had received a notice, uh, from the city attorney, um, that the city attorney's firm was resigning. Uh, and, and that came on Tuesday morning. Okay. Mm. Um, the, uh, head of the, the, of the, um, uh, the boss of the city attorney, uh, her name is Vose. Peggy Vose uh, sent, um, an email or made a couple of calls and she happened to call Ray Chrisman and she told Ray and uh, and Ray, this is Ray's words. Uh, he said it was a very curt, uh, nasty message saying that, uh, we are resigning, um, uh, giving you 60 day notice and, uh, there was no discussion or anything else and ray was like blown away huh. and then some of the other council members received the same message on tuesday and so yesterday when they wanted to discuss it in the morning the mayor put it off and said well we'll 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 get to it later they took a vote to see if they could put it up for discussion yesterday and it kind of failed and they all they wanted to do was get it down to correspondence and communication so they could say hey what's going on here are we going to be without a firm well at 9:36 last night they tried again um they she the mayor had said no all right uh, we're just gonna let this go. We'll we'll discuss it. The city manager will get involved with it, and whatever it is. And a couple of council members said, "No, absolutely not. We we need to keep, we need to at least discuss this in correspondence communication." Ted Blankenship said, "I have some things to say," and Ray Christman certainly did. So they went on and uh, started discussing it at nine thirty six last night. Okay, and it was uh, just mass confusion. And so what happened was what they needed to do, Bob, I'm going to go to the end of this real fast. Um, what they needed to do was call a special meeting. Uh-huh. OK, that's what a sensible, reasonable uh, a mayor uh, or someone in charge would do. And say, look, we don't meet again for three weeks. So we need to call a special meeting and we need to get this not necessarily resolved, but at least dealt with. Okay, All right, right. So that the public and everybody else knows what's going on, because. What the attorney did then was they they basically rescinded their thing that they were going to. It's the sixty day notice thing. I said, well, we're gonna we're gonna rescind that. Well, the sixty day notice thing was still up in effect, so it was left a mess. So anyway, ten o'clock last night, the mayor, uh, after some of the council members had made some remarks about we need to do something about this right away and whatever it is, and after a brief discussion. Instead of calling a special meeting, which they could have set right then, okay, could have mm-hmm. just set the meeting. She said, "I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. I'm worn out. Uh, it's ten o'clock at night, and just adjourned."
1: Now that, that would be the mayor. Clarifying question, just for our listeners' benefit, did they were talking about ten o'clock at night? This is a meeting that started like at nine o'clock in the morning.
5: Eight eight thirty yesterday morning. <laughs> oh, and they, and they did not have and they did not have dinner.
1: Oh my goodness.
5: Yeah. And and I mean, it it is a mess. And I, I have to tell you what happened was the city attorney had asked for and I guess this was uh, the, uh, a surprise ask on Monday. They wanted a one hundred and seventy five thousand dollar increase
1: per year in their in
5: their in their, <laughs> in their compensation. And 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 they just sprung in on council. Council's been on vacation for crying out loud. They just came back yeah. after eight weeks off and um and all of a sudden they get hit with this and then um they they were uh, obviously you'd be pretty upset if uh if one of your employees came to you and said um you know i like you a lot but i'm leaving you because i want 175 thousand dollars more and so it was never resolved uh i mean obviously they weren't giving it to them um they wanted to get the city manager involved, and the city manager said, look, I'll be more than happy to be involved, but this isn't my – I don't negotiate for council, you know what I mean, with mm-hmm. the city attorneys. That's that's up to the council to do, which and he's correct. So as of last night at 10-something, okay, it was left, and my phone was ringing last night. <laughs> Most people had heard it and said – what what do, what, do you, what you know what is what are they going to do i said well today should be interesting now now mind you bob council does not meet again for 3 weeks yeah so they have to call a a, a special meeting um which i'm assuming uh probably a bad thing the bad word to use but i'm guessing that uh they will do that today um and uh try and hash it out but i'll tell you what before you throw me off the air this morning i will tell you that if I were Ray Crispin or Ted Blankenship or one of the members that spoke to Peggy Voss um, and had her talk to me like that, no matter what she came back with, I would never have put I would never put any more faith in that firm. Period. Yeah, yeah. There, there isn't any any question. There's no doubt about it because that's not the way you do business.
1: Bill, you know, this is just uh, shocking information, quite frankly. Now, you, you said they'll meet this morning, so they're having another meeting after. The, or... No,
5: no, no, Bob. I I said that 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 she, the mayor, and ah. is going to have to call a special meeting. Not necessarily won't won't be today, but certainly within the. I'm guessing certainly within the next week. I mean, it's got to be next week. One day they can't sit for three more weeks and then and come back uh, with. The, you know, and 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 Bob, like you just said, when the press gets a hold of this, uh, all, all hell is going to break loose.
1: Unbol- so
5: all, all you have to do is go on to naplesgovgov and pull up last night's and pull up yesterday's meeting and go to correspondence of communication. It actually started at about nine thirty two last night. Oh my! gosh. Uh, catch that whole thing because you got to hear it for yourself.
1: Well, Bill, you know what? I I trust actually uh, your commentary. <laughs> But i I just genuinely this is not information you're going to get anywhere i just appreciate so much you're filling us in on what's going on bill
5: yeah and we'll continue and i'll continue next week because we'll have lots more and and be able to narrow down some of the things that are going on for you
1: absolutely bill i hope you all have a great evening and great uh great day on the on the well of course you're not in the paradise coast you're somewhere where else
5: well, I'm on the paradise coast but I'm just a little further away than you the,
1: Okay. Thank <laughs> Have you. A
5: good one, you
1: as well. Thank you so much, Bill. Well that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh we've got great guests for tomorrow. Uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden hotmail And if you enjoyed the show, tell your friends